In 2021, Talk About It Outdoors partnered with an industry-leading brand that has stamped its name on the outdoor industry. Cruiser Saddles in itself stands on perfection, and with every climb we make, we elevate ourselves above the rest. In addition to a support to our hunting journey, the men and women behind Cruiser believe in the same principles of life as us. Faith, family, and the blessings of being better as they go in every sit. If your desire to pursue your passions one step ahead of the rest, go ahead and get in the best. Check them out on all the socials or head over to their website at www.cruiser.com. That's C-R-U-Z-R.com. And tell them to talk about it outdoors, boys, and Chasing Weekends sent you their way. The journey of life has a unique way of being able to create tried and true friendships as we go. In forming those relationships, oftentimes good things come to follow. Talk About It Outdoors is proudly supported by Cal Hardy of Arrowhead Land Company. Cal is the leading broker over Georgia and is happy to assist you with finding the place where you can call home. With vast knowledge and an understanding of the ever-evolving real estate market and a unique old-school approach to everything he does, he exemplifies what it means to treat others like you'd want to be treated. Don't settle for being just another number in a phone. Choose Cal Hardy for all your land, home, and commercial real estate needs and become a part of his family. We sure are blessed to have him as a part of ours. Find him on Facebook, Instagram, or give him a call at 770-296-2163. Step back to the times when a feed store was more than just that, and the people inside smiled with friendly faces and provided a place for a talk on life, as well as all your essential farm, livestock, and pet needs. Cherokee Feed the Seed located in Ball Ground, Georgia, with an additional location in Gainesville, are the hometown supplier of all your cattle, equine, and pet needs, with the added addition of being able to keep your deer herd healthy with protein and minerals. They also carry an assortment of hunting blinds and gear, and you can rest easy knowing the people that support local ball clubs and children's sports are who your hard-earned money is going to. The people here greet you with a handshake and a smile, and Cherokee Feed and Seed give more than just a product. They give you a welcome that'll make you return time and time again. Stop in next time you're in the area and tell them you're part of the Talk About It Outdoors family. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. 
Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. If you're in need of a processor this year, after you've made that great harvest on that giant buck you've been chasing, give North Georgia Deer Processing a call. Located at 1610 Arnold Spence Road in Ball Ground, Georgia, Tyler and his family are building something better than we could have ever dreamed to see them do, and we sure are proud to have them as a partner of ours. Give him a call at 770-883-9786 to take care of all your deer processing needs. You ever been riding down the road, seeing a piece of property that you couldn't live without, or maybe just wanted to sell your own land? Give our boy Cal Hardy with Whitetail Properties a call, 770-296-2163, day or night, or check him out on Facebook. Are you in need of forestry mulching, tree services, hauling, grading, and excavation in the southeast? Well, give our buddy Logan Severa a call with LRS Land Services. You can head over to Facebook, Instagram, and check out his work, or give him a call at 404-889-1105. Stop putting off clearing that back for you, and give our boy a call. You ready, Nick? Let's do it. All right, everybody, talk about it outdoors live on all social media platforms from the Cruiser Saddle Studio. We got a returning guest. One of our old buddies has done went off up to the Yukon and left North Carolina in the wind. Him and his daddy went on a grizzly bear hunt. And, son, I can't wait to hear all about this. Nichols, this might be the first time we've got to hear about old bar, son. Not the three-letter bar, that four-letter word. Y'all pull up a chair and set a while. This is going to be a fun one. You tell them Yankees up north, son, you, you go going after a grizzly bar, and they think you're going to get you a cold drink, son. <laughs> How are you, buddy? Good, man. I knew I knew um, a couple of months back when they had this trip planned, I texted him. I said, man, as soon as you guys get back, we got to get this one. I want to hear all about this because we don't know anybody. We know we know two people now that will be there hunting. One of the guys is still there hunting, but now we're going to we're gonna get to hear this side of the story. Well, great one on the on the way for sure. Y'all uh y'all pull up a chair, send in any questions you got. We're live on Facebook and YouTube. Uh share it out to all your friends. Make sure you send over any questions you got. But first and foremost, I want to welcome back Mr. Dwayne Cook. Dwayne was here with the Slim Reaper production crew talking about the Grand Slam turkey hammering they did this past spring. Great time. First uh studio guest we actually had, and now we've got him live with uh 
with a, a better looking version of himself, if I do say so, uh, for everyone out there looking. His uh, his dad, Barry's with us. And uh, I, I tell you what, judging by what he's put on the ground, old boy's a hammer for sure. Ground and that wall behind him. Yeah, yeah, big old elk <laughs> behind him there. But guys, welcome to the show. We appreciate y'all taking the time to come on and be with us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Dwayne, first and foremost, since you were here last, you've been back again for the bow shoot, came and hung out with us for a little bit, and now you're back for a third time. Do we need to put you a bunk upstairs so you can come down and stay whenever you want? Might as well. I mean, I guess I just can't get enough, huh? Hey, I'm glad you can't because we can't get enough for you guys and uh, for what the adventure y'all went on recently. And I want to tell a little backstory here because we didn't really get a chance to do this before Nick and, and get his dad to tell a little bit about. And I want to spin it a little different way. I thought about this today. I want your dad to tell how it was bringing you up through the ranks of hunting. You had to be aggravating as a pine knot. I mean, you had to, you drove him crazy, I'm sure. So we'll let your dad talk for a minute and tell us a little bit about where he grew up and everything about uh, about his past from hunting. All right. Well, I grew up. And my dad brought me up when I was just able to walk, I guess. Uh, I remember sitting the cold days, you know, just blue jeans and cheap pair of boots, whatever you could, freezing to death or whatever. And uh, that kind of just stuck with me throughout. And even through high school, that just kind of hunting always a part of me. And uh, kind of once I got out of school and got to work and then kind of got back into it and really just start accepting the fact I love hunting. Uh, then, of course, these towheads come along. Then you got to deal with trying to learn how to hunt and have him. And and it's it's definitely a challenge bringing a kid in the woods, but I encourage everybody to do it because it is so unique. Once you kind of get them into that, it just it, everything just kind of falls in place. Uh, but there is the trials and tribulation, you know, of, trying to keep a kid still or not or anything like that, but it, it's so awesome. Be still too many. And regardless of all that, most time the deer come out, you know, steer clueless or how curious they are. And they just kind of, he kind of grew into it too. And now he's kind of took off with it himself. So, uh, I love it. Got a passion for it. And, you know, Love to fish, but I guess when it comes down to- A little bit of a lag there, ain't there? It's just not working at all anywhere. Oh, it's not? It's not coming up on the thing? Nope. I told you it wasn't working right just a minute ago. Something When I changed the time, it f- screwed everything up. You want to end it? I mean, it's went haywire across the board. Contact. Froze up. Can you hear us now? Yeah, we got you now. I don't know what happened. Keep going. Yeah, I don't know where we got to. Well, listen, did you, when, when he started, when he first started filming, Barry, what did you think? Or did you, did did you already, did you already know that he was going to start doing that before? And how was you around the camera at the time? No, uh, I really didn't know. It just kind of fell fell upon him, and uh, I was kind of nervous about it because 
I know anytime you go to the woods, you're you're trying to worry about your scent, worry about sound. I do I do know me thinking going into the woods, you know, your double scent, double everything. Uh, it kind of fell back like, okay, I'm back to that kid again where we're trying to we're trying to got to be quiet. You know, I'm hearing every mount, every sound he's making, but same time he's hearing me. So took me a minute, I guess, to, to adjust that. But, uh, after we did it, after I seen it was possible, uh, it kind of, I was kind of relieved from it, I guess, cause I was more worried about God, they're going to smell us twice. They're going to hear us twice. Uh, but no, it worked out. And it took a few, it wouldn't <laughs> say it took a few trial runs. So, the, lots of choice words. So, for anybody listening to this, they know that you got, they should know by now probably that Slim Reproduction has a YouTube channel and he has several videos out. And he has one last year of his dad taking a buck up in Ohio, I believe, right? It was in Ohio, yep. right? Was that one of the first times that you guys had set together for a film? Uh, not. Not one of the first times that we had sat together, but it was our first successful uh, sit where we actually got a kill on film. Yeah, and that was a, that was one of the best videos I had watched before deer season this year. First deer hunt, right. we did we did, we did a couple of turkey hunts, but they they didn't put them on YouTube. But yeah, first successful deer hunt, and we appreciate that. It just kind of fell in place and. Had plenty of footage to support it to make the video. It just just all fell in place. So, well, hey, let me stop you there for a second. We finally got live on everything, so uh, welcome. Yeah, everything's good now. There was there was a. I had a time when I changed it from six thirty to six forty five. It went haywire everywhere across the board. So everybody that's just now joining us, sorry for the delay and getting (laughs) online. You got a bunch of rednecks over here. We're good at killing deer, but we ain't real good at uh ain't real good at this technical stuff. So um, hey, there you go, me too. <laughs> the 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 boys from uh the boys from Slim Reaper Productions are here, and we've been going through a few things. You'll have to go back and listen to the I don't know the first eight minutes of the show to to catch up on where they're at and where they're going. But um, we're talking about their grizzly bear. <laughs> yes. I'm all over the place. Sorry, that screwed me up. So anyway. Back to the show. Sorry for the interruption. Oh, I mean, again, like I said, apologize for that. But when you guys, so, you know, and I was thinking about this the other day, hunting with my dad, and it's probably the same for you too, Slim. When we were growing up as kids, we would, it was all we could do to get away from our dad, you know, when we got to that age of accountability to go out in the woods on our own. And now I find myself, now that I've got behind the camera, going with my dad more and to try to enjoy those moments and, and capture those moments. So, it's it's little things like that that you can pick up on that is a very positive thing for like I didn't shoot no footage this past time I went with my dad, but just sitting there enjoying the outdoors with him is is something else you could do because we do it in turkey season, but deer hunting you lose that. Definitely. Yeah, it's uh it's something else for sure, especially when it all comes together, but just spending that quality time, you know, good or bad, or unsuccessful or successful, I should say. It's. It seems like it's always worth it at the end of the day. Well, I know we've talked a lot about that, Nick, and and the the mount the memories thing that we always speak on. It's it's a lot different when you're able to do it when you with your dad. I know for me, I've I've been able to travel the last 
10 to 12 years, especially with dad and uncle Wibbern going all over the country. And we go, I mean, wide open in November and December chasing deer all over the country. And I was thinking about this the other day that what, what happens when, you know, you get up there and you, you, you want to chase a big buck, but your dad knocks one down. The first thing on my mind is I want to go over and see his buck. I don't care about mine no more. I want to go see his, but it's the same thing. And I'm sure it is for, for you two. It's the right, the opposite uh, for my dad. My dad wants to see me be as successful or more successful than he is. And so that's pretty cool that you can get to a point in life where you can appreciate it as much for each other as you could for the other. So, Right. Definitely. Yeah. I'm thankful to have a dad that'll let me follow him around with a camera and constantly bug him and tell him to do this or do that, or, you know, help me out with this or, you know, just, Oh, I can only imagine the first few times, get that camera out of my face. We got to get this deer killed. I ain't worried about that camera. Forget that camera. Let's go. It was, it was yeah, it was rough. There was some, uh, we won't go too in depth, but there was some, We'll just say ass chewings and stuff. <laughs> I remember a couple of times just saying, don't worry about the film. I'm going to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, tell us about how, you know, did you go to the Yukon before now, or is this the first trip up there for you? This is my, I mean, my second trip, uh, first time hunting. And when I went in 2018, I got married there. And I always had that, hunger because Alaska is like no other. It, it's a place I can't describe and Dwayne probably tell you the same thing. When when we were there, I was just like, I'm going to come back and I'm going to hunt. I'm going to hunt this place. So I started saving and, and, you know, lifelong dream. And technically we were going moose hunting. That was the whole, and that's what we were doing. Um, you know, we just happened on the bear. <laughs> so uh, it's always been a lifelong dream and, and to say the least, it's, uh, something that's going to have to be redone because we didn't fulfill all of our dreams. So, so going back all the way to 2018, you guys had this, basically this, you had this trip plan in the back of your mind that you were going back. And, yeah. and I guess September, early September is the time that those moose are rutting kind of like the elk. Yes, sir. Yeah, yep. and then did you are did you? I guess you found an outfitter. Or how does that work in that part of the country? Well, I just kind of started looking on the internet, uh, trying to find an outfitter. Talk even when I was there the first time, you know, I try to get a lot of literature, a lot of you know paperwork, just trying to find something. And I'm not going to lie, it's expensive to go there. Uh, looking back now and going through it, I, I kind of see why because everything you do is mostly by plane. Uh, we were 80 some miles from the nearest town. So when they take you out, they, they set you out. You're, it was so funny when I got out of the plane and the plane left and I looked at the guide and I said, I said, you know, what's the most annoying thing here? And he said, no, what's that? And I said, my ears are ringing. I said, cause that's all I hear. There's nothing. It's total silence. So I get where these hunts cost a lot. Uh, but it's it's definitely remote, very remote area. Now, was y'all on horse at the time when y'all got there, or was y'all on Argos, or what was? How did that work out? No, we we flew in uh, to a little town called Bethel, and we kind of got with the outfitter there, and then he put us on a 
bush plane. The bush plane. Bush plane and flew us into a, a, a waiting area that was like 40 miles out of town and then flew us from there to cut. where we was hunting. In and, a cut plane. Yeah. And we was literally in the middle of nowhere with nothing but our two legs and packs. Yeah, that was. I guess that's what I was curious on. If y'all had anything there, if it was just your feet and you in the strong wheel of the back at that point. That's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, we're probably going to jump around here a little bit because we're new to this. But let's back up to like when you guys were prepping to go out there. One grizzly bears had to be in the back of your mind. Like, oh yeah. What what are we oh. going What are we going to do if we encounter a grizzly bear? And two, I want you to talk about that first, and then second, talk about how you prepare for your food, how you carry it. Yeah. Well, in my mind, I, I already knew you can't hunt grizzly without a, without an outfitter. So I knew he's going to be packing well. And and at the beginning of this, I thought this is once in a lifetime hunt. Do I want to take a bow? Do I want to take a gun? I've always loved bow hunting. I said, you know what? It's going to be a bow. I'm going to take a bow. And at one point, I thought, you know, maybe I should take a gun just in case. But I wound up getting the moose tag, the bear tag, and the wolf tag, and uh, took the bow instead. Took, uh, but we had side. But we went ahead and kind of prepared for with a pistol. Uh, you had what? A 40? I had a forty, and I had a ten millimeter. Uh, he got that big cannon, son. Oh, God. <laughs> Later on, I don't know when we get to that part, but I don't know if I'll. I don't know if a 10 millimeter is big enough. <laughs> well, I'll t- when we get later on down the way, I'll tell you what a guy told me about a pistol in Alaska. So I'll tell you a little <laughs> yeah. story about yeah. that. But So go into food. Now, did y'all have to bring food with you or this outfitter? They provided it all, right, I assume? Yeah, they Out- did. Outfitter, you know, they provided everything pretty much. Did they just... We was allowed to take, take 50 pounds with us. Of know, hunting gear. Of hunting gear. You could do you could do a DIY option where uh, you're allowed 120 pounds a year, I believe, and that's your tents, food, and everything. Or you can do the DIY where you just bring your hunting gear and they supply all your camping gear and food. And then uh, obviously, if you want to kill a grizzly bear, you got to go with a guide and they provide all that besides your hunting equipment and such. Awesome. Well, so. Yeah. What was the food like in camp? I mean, come on, we got we like MREs. MREs. <laughs> was it MREs? No, hey, we ain't yeah. like jeans in the middle of Alaska. Why would have thought that? We had bacon eggs of a morning, pancakes. Uh, we even got down to pizza. We had yeah. lemon blueberry pie. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't bad at all. So it wasn't bad. <laughs> Damn, you need to sit. You ready to look for that outfitter, ain't you, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> I thought y'all said y'all was 80 miles from town. <laughs> we was. They airdropped it. Really? All right. They, yeah. They had a little uh, They had a little propane stove set up. We'd cook right there. Yeah. So time. they had a big base camp already set up before you guys got there? Yeah. Yeah. So they had one tent that uh, – it wasn't too big. It's probably, what, eight by eight? Yeah. And uh, you could st- – it had enough room to stand up in it and stuff, and that's what we called the cook tent where we'd – all hang out, eat, you know, whenever the weather's bad, we'd sit in there and play cards and stuff. Did it get monotonous sitting in that tent or did, was it, you were just entrenched in the moment. So you weren't, you weren't looking at it or would, did it get kind of mundane sitting in that tent on those bad days? 
little bit of both. Yeah. A little bit of both, especially the first couple of days. Uh, I believe the first day the weather was kind of iffy. And so we had to sit in the tent majority of the day. And we was like, you know, dogs on a leash just chomping at the bits to go out. And uh, But then whenever that big typhoon hit, it was – you didn't have no choice. So we passed time by reading magazines, playing cards. We got to know each other real well. <laughs> how, long you, how long were you guys there? Uh, out in the field, 11 days total. What was, what was their um, – what was bad weather for them that wouldn't let you go out? So majority of the time it would just be what fog where we couldn't go glass. And mm. then like, if it was raining really heavy, like light drizzles, wasn't much of a big deal. Or if the wind was whipping it. So is, is glassing probably 50% of the hunt? Uh, it's where we was at on the ridge top. Wouldn't you say probably at least 80, probably 80%. And how far were you guys traveling from that base camp to hunt? Not very far. What? Maybe two miles at the most. I mean, we were glassing Pretty far. Up three and four miles. Oh, uh, and we actually tried to stalk on on a moose at about two miles. And the time we got halfway there, he kind of got up and moved. Yeah, not very far at all from camp. Though. All right, so let's let's get on track here because I want to get from day one to day, you know, whatever the the last day you guys were there. So we know the first couple of days it was bad weather. You weren't able yeah. to travel out of camp, so we don't have to go through all the, the camp rigmarole unless there's something cool in there you want to share. But at what day was the first time y'all left camp? Well, it was what, day two? Two. It was day two, and then uh, – And it was probably a half a day at that point because the fog set in, and we were – it was probably 10, 11 o'clock before we ever even got to leave camp that morning. Yeah. And then we'd go out glass, uh, didn't have any stalks that day. Mm-hmm. Seen a couple of moose. And then days three and four were good. We went out, and that's when we seen that giant one. Yep. You want to give the rundown on it, being on native land? <laughs> well, we, we spotted that moose probably at about three miles. Uh, one of the guys did. And huge, very, very huge moose. And my first instinct was like, well, let's go. And, you know, the guides are kind of discussing back and forth whether they should go, whether should, whether it's on the line. And it was kind of borderline of the native land. You can't hunt the native land. Uh, we were still like bloodhound. We were ready to go. Uh, but at some point, they're kind of discussing and said, there's no way we're going to make it over there in time. You know, and I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, we walked. 20 miles around here, you know, we can walk, we can get there. After walking the terrain a little bit, no, it's it's a lot different. So you you can spend an hour walking a mile out there easy. But when you get down those bogs, it's just – but long story short, we, we saw the moose, saw it bedded. He was bedded for three or four hours. Uh, we actually went into camp, saw some other moose, got up the next morning, the same moose was bedded in the same area. We just couldn't get to him. Uh, Dang property lines in the middle of Alaska. They told us that he was on native land. 
We said, we're 80 miles from civilization. Y'all going to put us on the property line. <laughs> hey, that's, that's true outlaw southeastern hunting right there. Going to get right close to the property line. I guarantee you. Going to tiptoe the edge. Right? Yeah. He was, he was a giant moose. He, they estimated him at like uh, maybe 72, 70 for sure, though. At wide, 70 inches. God Almighty, that is now. What, what in your mind? Now you, you've you've never been in the wild hunting moose either. Either one of you. What in your mind was the first thought when you saw something that big? I mean, you're talking three miles. You spotted this animal. Yeah. Well, yeah, hell, yeah. we don't see a deer a hundred yards most of the time in the <laughs> southeast. So you've seen an animal three miles away that. You potentially, had it been on land you could hunt, could have harvested. What was the right. thought in your head for that? Oh, it was, at first we thought it was a bush. God said, I got I got a moose up there. He said, if y'all are willing to walk. And uh, he pointed us out and we said, bull crap, you know, because, I mean, it just looked like a big old uh, bush laying there. Yeah, a bush laying there. And then so, all of a sudden that bush turned. And we said, oh, my <laughs> That bush is moving, Elrod. Shake it. <laughs> so, yeah. now, this is a good time to stop. And, and, of course, we'll go into more equipment as we move along. What glass were you using to see a moose at three miles? So, we just had a, what do you got, 12, 12 by 50? 12 by 50, boy. And I've got 10 by 42s, and you could you could see it clear as day through them. And then uh, the guys, they had some spotting scopes. I believe they was like 15 by 60 powers or something yeah. like that, where you could really zoom in and uh, really get a good look at him. Were they using any kind of MagnaView or a clip-on for your phone or anything you could no, see? I wish I wish I would have had one. That's, I, I've seen one. They've been advertising on Midwest Whitetail. It's called a MagnaView. It's like yeah. a clip, a metal plate you put on the back of your phone. I looked them up. I thought, I'm going to have to have one of those. And I think I might stick with that $30 Amazon job because they're about 180 bucks. But it's the oh, quickest – well, it's the quickest attachment yeah. made. I mean, it's yeah. just a – you pop a cap just like you would a scope cover and one side's a magnet and you snap yeah. it on. So, yeah, that's that's one thing I thought. I'm sure you wish you'd have had that for those spot scopes. Definitely. Because, I mean, you know – the camera it ain't gonna pick up that far and uh so i did get some video through the spot and scope on my phone but it's easier said than done trying to trying to hold that especially when it zoomed in up to 660 looking at something three miles away you move down you think you're moving the right way you should have moved <laughs> yeah. up you move right you should have moved left i know i've tried that in the midwest yeah, so. yeah. Let, let me ask you guys well, this do what go ahead I was going to say, we did get some video uh, of him on the phone, and he's a he's a mongo. Let me ask you this. When you guys were glassing main, uh, most of the time, were the, were the grizzly bears ever a thought in the back of your mind, or did, did the guides always set you up in a good place that you could see if something was coming up on you? No, most of the time we could see pretty well around us. And we was on the hilltop. Most of the time, we have what those altars below us, so we would have heard them coming. Yeah, regardless. What's an altar? Uh, so it's like the best easiest way to describe it. It's just like mountain laurel. It's a laurel thicket. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and in my mind, I wasn't too concerned about the bear after 
there because the guy's like, we've not seen no bears all year. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm carrying a 40 for nothing. And I actually, the day I got the grizzly, you know, we got on the stall, uh, I left mine at camp because I'm like, I don't need to carry this. Yeah. <laughs> we, we hadn't seen a bear in a week. And it was to the point where it was like, dude, they ain't got no bears around here. But they said the blueberry crop was down. Uh, was low that year. There weren't many blueberries, and they said they usually tend to migrate wherever the berries are uh, flourishing. So, all right. So we're on day four. We've saw the yeah, moose. Yeah, big, big moose was day four, and then day five is when the typhoon hit. Yeah, five and six, and uh, it's typhoon. It had a name. Typhoon. What was it? Murbach. Murbach or something like that. That's and your that's uncle, we, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> And that's when we had to sit in the tent for two days. It was, it was pretty it, rough. It was kind of funny because they were 60, 80 miles south of us, and they sent a text out saying, you guys buckle down, there's a big storm coming. You know, we kind of laughed and made fun of it because we're sitting there and it's blowing rain a little bit, but we're, we're glassing. We're glassing all evening and night. There's no storm. They missed it, you know. Yeah, he's telling us to drop our tents and stuff. <laughs> you know, like hunker down. And we, I mean, we went through that whole night. Not, I mean, there was rain, a little bit of wind, nothing out of the ordinary. We're like, there's no storm. You know, we got up the next morning, a little bit more wind, and that's when it kind of really started coming in. It was probably day five. Yep. Uh, day five and six summed up was pretty much yeah. playing cards. 65 mile an hour wind and rain a in, a, in a wall tent. A typhoon is a Pacific hurricane. Is that correct? Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. Google that, Caleb. <laughs> I think it is. I think it's a Pacific hurricane. That's what they call them yeah, on yeah, that yeah. side of the country. Yeah. So in a wall tent, right? Or was yeah. it? Well, it wasn't even a wall no, tent. It was just a Cabela's. Regular, yeah, regular just old Camellas <laughs> in sixty-five what, mile an hour winds. What was the temperature? Uh, it was what, 45, 50 degrees. And y'all, I'm sure you guys had all. That's all you wore was rain gear. Pretty much the whole time. <laughs> yeah, we learned on about day three or four. You know, the guy that's all he wore. And he's like, "Why are you wearing just your rain pants and rain jacket?" And we found out real quick. I pretty much. We're mine about every day. Yeah. <coughs> what kind of rain gear? Uh, Kuyu. Kuyu. There you go. Plug. <laughs> so, and, did you... Yeah, and, you know, they make several different kinds of the rain gear, and we're ours is just the thinner rain gear, but I'm, I mean, it worked perfect. Uh, those guys are using a lot heavier gear, of course, because they've been there. But we found pretty much about every day you wore rain gear. One guy, so we had a guy and a packer, and the packer, he wore fishing waders, hip waders daily. I assume he wasn't, uh, he wasn't built like me or you. <laughs> no. <laughs> so did you guys have a, a dry stench of clothes on? I mean, they, the, the rain gear worked pretty well for you? Oh, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. It, yeah, it was definitely, definitely exceeded expectations. Okay. Well, that's good news. What kind of did yeah. you guys run the crispy boots up there? Uh, I did. I had the Ken track. Yeah. Okay. I've yeah. heard a lot of people talking about that in that that region of the world, the Ken track. 
That's mm-hmm. a popular name. I know Crispy's is big in the turkey hunting world with what Dave pushes, and you've you've wore them, and I think Cody's got a pair. But that's that's those Kentrex must be something special. And going to a place like that, we realize how how important it is to have a a good, reliable, waterproof boot and gaiters and the good rain gear. Because every step in that tundra, your foot was getting filled up with water. I mean, it was just like a mush. God, that had to be hard to walk in. Dry days, it was wet. Yeah, the ground was wet. That had to be so hard to walk in. It hardest stuff I've ever walked in by far. And the guide made perfect sense, and it does after. And the only way you could really explain it is he said, take a wet mattress and lay it on one of these mountains and just try to walk on that mattress continuously. And that's kind of what it is. Yeah. You'd ride her to the bottom in North Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) So when you guys got there, I'm going to start real quick, Alex, before you go on to day six. When you guys got there, Slim, since you hadn't been, you hadn't been there, right? Nope. Did, was was it everything you thought it was going to be when you guys landed, or was it? Did you? What did you? Oh, th- yeah. It was. It was. I had pretty high expectations, but I some of the West, like Colorado, uh, Wyoming, Montana. But it was. It yeah. It was just. It's like he said earlier. It's in a category of its own. I bet. Yeah. So we're on day seven. We finally got out of the tent. The cards is put up. The uh, the the butts is ready to get moving. So tell us about day seven. Yeah, you want to start it off? And I think that's kind of where it was day eight when we got married, right? No, it was day seven. Day seven. Yeah. So yeah, after, kind of after the storm blew through, a uh, couple evenings before the storm came, we saw a really nice moose way off about about mile and a half. And a funny story behind that is we saw that moose and I'm like, just seven o'clock. It gets dark there around 930, uh, shooting light anyway. And and I looked over and I was like, we can make it. And he's like, you're not going to make it over there. And I'm like, no, we can make it. And I'm like, we just got to go. And anyway, long story short, we got to uh, that on that seventh day where weather kind of broke. We're glassing. A little cold spell hit. And two hunters prior, before we had got there, had taken two moose. So the guide was actually looking at where one of the moose kills was, and and all of a sudden I hear him say, I've got a big bear, with a few other words he said. Uh, (laughs) I'm like, a bear? You know, and I've done left him a pistol. It's it's back at the camp. I was like, a bear? And he's like, yeah, big blank. (laughs) <laughs> like i gotta look at this so i'm looking i'm trying to look through my 12 pair you know and i can't see it uh of course we all start looking at it and, and he kind of shows me in the spot scope and then we see it and uh right away he's like that's a big bear and, and we realize it's a brown grizzly and it was eating on that carcass about a mile mile and a half yeah about a mile and a half uh same place where we saw that that moose and I said, you know, we can run and get there or whatever. And uh, so we all talked about it and, and of course they're still looking for moose and I'm like, we need to go back to the bear. Let's, let's Day go. seven, we're ready to kill some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, 
we we decided we we got all our stuff together and kind of ventured off down in there. Well, when we got down to the bottom, where I was wanting to run across, like a couple of days later, I was like, "We can run and get there and get that moose." Well, I got to find out what it actually was in the box because it's just soppy water you wade through. So it's not like, "Oh yeah, I can just walk over there." It took us about an hour and a half, I guess, to get about a mile. Yeah. So it's a lot different terrain than what I thought. And, they, you know, looking back now, like, hey, the guys knew all along what it was. Thankfully, though, that bear was on a moose carcass, so it wouldn't go nowhere, so we had plenty of time. Now, did you circle? Did you, Was you able to go straight to it? The wind was in y'all's face, or did y'all have to circle it? Yeah, we had, we had to hook around and uh, get downwind of it, and then we got above, a, uh, above the bear and uh, was able to slip right in. All right, now don't whoa, ain't this just slipping right in business? You didn't just slip right in on a on a grizzly bear. Now I want to know the details. Now talk me through it, like you. Well, we eased over the ridge iron and he's sitting on the edge. Talk us through it, boys. You got to give it. Yeah, yeah, we want. You're on the bear now. I want to hear about this bear. So, anyways, we go through this bog and and we realize, yeah, we got to get would have been north of of the bear to get play the wind. So we, we go around, we get up on top and, uh, we get within probably two or 300 yards above him. And, uh, you know, I look at the guy said, you know, you think he's still there? He said, Oh, he's going to be there. Cause he's going to be there a couple of days. You know, he's founder. So we drop her packs, getting her stuff together and I get mine. And then I've got the packer, which is actually, he just became a guide while we were there. He's beside me, and I've got the older guy that that's with Slim, and uh, so they kind of have a discussion before we go. Said, "Now look, me and you're going to walk side by side. We're going to go up and go down this ridge. Slim and Dara, the other guy, are going to stay together. When you take a step, I'm going to take steps. This kind of thing." And I'm okay. So we get about halfway going down. We're within about 150 yards. And uh, both guys are packing. Both guys big, are big rifles. <laughs> My guide Sam uh, is carrying a 454 elephant gun. The guy behind is carrying a 358 or something. I don't know exactly. Sam got his And we get within about 150 yards. He stops and he says, uh, he said, a couple things. Before we get down here, he says, uh, first of all, if this bear, you shoot it and it runs into these alders, which is ivy thicket we call here, he said, I'm going to shoot. I said, I don't got a problem with that. A lot of guys have a problem with you shooting. I don't have a problem with it. He said, first of all, I mean, you don't want to be in there tracking a bear that's been shot with a bow. Of course, I said, I'm all for it. Yeah, they said, well, a lot of times when it gets in that thick stuff, it'll make a hook. Yep. And uh, it'll get above and downwind of whatever is tracking it and hunting it. And a lot of times it'll set up and wait on it to come through and it'll you kill it. You become the hunter. <laughs> While you're crawling through that thicket on your hands and knees. God, could you so imagine? I, I no, I could not that. imagine. <laughs> like, I mean, you guys going up to this, getting within 100 and something yards, you had to get the nerves had to start going. You probably had to get some paper out of the bag and make a pit stop. I mean. I mean, come on, Slim. Did you did you make a pit stop? Did you get nervous? 
I don't know, son. I, my adrenaline was pumping. I was ready to go. I well, was, I mean, just glued, just glued you, to the screen, just waiting. I mean, was you worried about pops slipping down there in front of you? Like, oh shit, you know? I don't think he's worried at that time. No, shoot, no. <laughs> I wanted to lay eyes on this thing. I think he's worried about himself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I had my pistol. I had my pistol. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'd have been hunting a snops bottle at that time, 150 yards from a grizzly bear. Where's yeah. that? Y'all just have yeah. to sit here. Y'all holler when y'all are done. Y'all let help. me know when we get inside 150, boy. I'm going to take about four shots real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing was, is it was surrounded by all that thick stuff. And it just happened to be in a little, like, not even a half acre meadow right there. So we didn't see it until we got within 75 yards. Okay. What, like 50 yards? 50 yards of it. And just surrounded by all that thick stuff. It was pretty handsome. So y'all are so at 150, we, and y'all start the descent. Talk us through that. Yep. yep. So uh, so after he told me about it, if it runs in the alders, he's going to shoot it. The next thing he says, of course, if the bear turns toward us, I'm going to shoot it. I said, most definitely. I'm not, I'm not carrying nothing but a bow. And uh, the last thing was what kind of got me, threw me off, was he said, look, if anything happens, my cell phone is in my pocket. He said, and I've got my little Garmin. He says, text Logan, which is the pilot that flies us in. He said, tell him. And he said, press the SOS button. And I looked at him for a minute, and I'm like, this is real. You know, this is not this is game time. Started showing us where uh, what are they called tourniquets and stuff were. Yeah, this ain't a yeah, white. Man, this ain't a white tail at this point. Yeah, yeah, we're going to war here. Yeah, so, so I knew at this point this is serious. You know, it, this is a serious matter, and and I realized, hey, I'm about to be in front of a grizzly, and uh, so we go on down, and I and he looks at me, he said, "What kind of range you want to be?" I said, "Well, I want to be 20, 30 yards." So we get down there, and this guy, and, and he's a packer. He's getting ready to get his guide license. This is first. This is his first bear hunt. He's like us. <laughs> the older guy, been on several bear hunts. He's hanging with Slim. Him, Slim, safe. So we're we're bait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get down, and, and he's got Slim's range finder. He said, "I'll range for you," and he ranges. He says, twenty-five yards." Well, I'm. Me as a bow hunter, I'm like, there's no way that's 25 yards. I'm like, that's 50 yards. Whoa, hang on, wait. So I had to stay behind. I was like, yeah, y'all was at 25 yards, and he wouldn't let me come down there. He said, all right, you're going to have to stay right here. I said, no, I'm going to be right over his shoulder. And he's like, no. He said, you have to stay here. <laughs> so I was from like 50 yards back, but I was a little bit higher than them, so I had I had perfect view. But anyways, continue. But in it, we as we got a little closer, he's like, he's twenty five yards, and I was like, there's no way he's twenty five yards. So I got my range finder and I ranged it, and it was like forty five. I was like, no, we got to get closer. And I think he was kind of nervous too. Uh, but we we got on down, we got within thirty five yards, and I kind of ranged the bush where we thought he was kind of laying because it really kind of faded out, couldn't see him, and. Uh, I said, I would like to get a couple of steps closer if we can. And, and we did. We got on up to about 32 yards. And uh, at the time, I could just see the head a little bit, you know, and realized for two or three minutes, the bear was laying on his back. 
like this, he covered himself from the moose carcass. It had that moose carcass covered up and like probably, wouldn't you say it was like 20 square foot, just a big hole yep. dug out that it had that moose up on the mound and trying it, to cover it. It was a huge bear, as y'all seen, and it was laying on its back and we couldn't even see it. That's how deep that hole was. Wow. Anyways, so so at about thirty-two yards, uh, we're kind of sitting there. Everything's kind of calm back now. My heart's in my throat. Uh, <laughs> the guy's standing here with his gun. You know, he's ready. And uh, I was like, "We gotta wait for it to stand up." And and you know, we kept waiting. We waiting. We waiting. Is like I think it fell asleep. I think it did because you know, there's a couple times it just didn't. I mean, we stood for yeah, probably. The whole time, probably 25 minutes, I'm thinking. And we, we didn't see it for the longest time. And then all of a sudden, uh, we was all focused on the moose carcass, the big old mound that it had. And all you see is just a big old paw. Just <laughs> swipe up at some flies. And the claw <laughs> looked as long as your fingers. And I looked at the guy and I said, holy. And he said, yeah, that's a big blanking bear. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just laying there, and it just come up, and it just swatted flies. And I got it. I got it all on film. I mean, I zoomed right in, and it's just all you just see is. And so that really just <laughs> shoots the heart rate right back up as soon as you get calmed down. Could you see that when he was swatting, Barry? Oh, yeah. And that's kind of when I was like, oh, shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> all I could see was claws coming up, and it was kind of swatting at the flies. And I I looked at my guide, and at that point, I was like, am I the only crazy SOB in Alaska that is 32 yards of a grizzly bear with a bow? And he kind of laughed. He's like, you're here. I said, that's right. Was y'all having to be, like, super, super quiet during this whole time? He was. You yeah. know. Thankfully, like, there was a little bit of wind, and it was just crossing us in the face. Uh, but kind of at the end – after we kind of discussed, the bear kind of sits up, kind of on its butt. And I realized that bush is right there in the way. So I drew back because he's like, it's going to stand up. He's going to stand up. So I drew and I'm sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. And I think the other guy that asked Slim, yeah, he's at full draw. And uh, the bear was just sitting there on his butt. And he said, How long can he hold that thing? <laughs> I said, I don't know, 45 seconds, a minute? He said, well, it's getting pretty close to that. <laughs> and it seemed like forever because I was holding, 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 and I was like, I got to let down. So when I let down, the bear just still sitting there, and then it kind of threw his head up. You'll see it on film. He, he's kind of like he's winding, like he's trying to smell. Uh, the wind did swirl at that, at that moment, too, so we thought that she might have uh, caught wind of us. But she was just, I don't know, just sniffing around. I think around. just sniffing around. Yeah. Uh, but then it kind of sit on up. And when it did, I, I drew back again because I knew. I said, this is going to happen. It's going to happen quick. And and when I drew, I'm waiting, 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 waiting. And it got up. And, you know, kind of – it was butt was toward us. So I'm it's like – quartered away, holding. I can't shoot. I said, I can't shoot. So we are kind of waiting, sitting there, and right when I started to let off the bear, it kind of turned, and it got up on that carpet, and when it turned, I realized how big it was, and I'm like, 
Oh my gosh. And I've got, I'm behind them and I've got him at full draw and the bear like perfectly in the frame. It's, it's sweet. Anyways, sorry, continue. And so when it turned, all I hear from my guys, shoot, shoot, shoot. And I kind of rushed the shot because I was, I ain't gonna lie to you. He said, I could see the end of your hair shaking. He probably did. (laughs) Because I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, I'm I'm kind of dumbfounded how big it is. But when I released, I saw the air kind of go back a little bit. And probably the, I don't know, one of the wildest noises you could ever heard. I mean, make the hair stand on your head. Black bear, black bear growls don't hold a lot to it. It kind of did this. And it's turning around trying to bite where that air went through. It kind of turned toward us and then starts coming toward us. Oh, shit. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, the guy told me to be knocking another arrow, and I'm like backpedaling because <laughs> I realized, hey, it's coming. And thankfully, the guy, uh, his he, first ever, <laughs> his first ever bear, he stepped right up and pops it twice with with the, uh, that 454. the 454. Bear kind of jolders back, and then he – tries to get back up and come again and then the other guy kind of steps in. But but they did have to they had to finish it off because it was it was pissed. It was yeah, it pissed it and it turned off. and it turned to look at us and it happened so fast that our guy he didn't waste no time. As soon as it looked in our direction, he dang filled it full. And you can see he smoked it right in the shoulder twice. And that bullet he's shooting it's like five hundred grain. It's what he uses for Cape Buffalo when they whenever they charge. And he put two smack dab in the shoulder and it didn't even phase it. It's up on its it didn't get on its hind legs, but it was swatting at its shoulder. It was so if you if, very, if you'd have just been bow hunting, it would have been I mean Oh yeah. It'd been it over. Been a bad, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it could have been went south real quick. And that goes back to the pistol. I don't know. I mean, 40 may stop it. I don't know. I don't ever want to have to find out. But I, after seeing what the 454 did. What they shoot? They shot it three times? Do what? They shot it three times? So, our Sam shot it, what, twice, twice. With, the, with the big 454. And then the guy that was with me stepped in and shot it, what, I think like three more times. Yeah. Good and then it God. still took it like two minutes to die. It was over there. It had tried to run for those altars, and uh, it made it to the first bush, and it was over there growling, and then finally we heard the death moan. But it literally took it like two minutes still yeah. to die. I told you I was going to go to Alaska one time, didn't I? No, you're not. Yeah, No, I, I was. <laughs> I went down to the gun store to buy, to buy me a pistol to take with me, and I went in there, saw Tim. Do you all remember me telling you about this? No. Well, I went in there and he laid a 500 Smith and Wesson up on the counter. One of them charter arms, four inch barrel, big old gun. Now my little skinny arm, it broke my arm anyway. He said, you going to Alaska? I said, yeah. He said, well, let me, let me do the paperwork. So we done it. He said, you want me to modify it for you? I said, yeah, that's fine. 
So he goes over and he's working on it. And he comes back and he'd filed the front side off of it. And I said, well, what'd you do that for? I said, is that so I can get it out of my holster quicker? He said, no, it's so when that bear takes it away from you, sticks it up your ass, it don't hurt somebody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the end of my Alaska studying right there. I said, I ain't never going up there. But B- Barry, what was your setup on your bow? Just curious. Yeah, that's a good that question. I'm, I'm shooting... 70 pound, the, the SR350. Botech. Botech. Uh, it's about 450, 475 grain total. Damn, I figured you took that. more than that up there. Well, cut on contact yeah. broadhead, I assume. Yeah, uh, shooting iron wheel to fix, fix broadhead. And what actually, solid 100 grain? Solid 100 grain. The, the broadhead did its job. I mean, it went through it, went through the bear. I couldn't even find the arrow. Uh, knocked a big old hole. Part of his liver and lung was hanging out of that hole that it went through. Uh, it's just like any, you know, most of your bow shops, something's going to run. Uh, I mean, it did its job. I was, I'm very impressed. It was definitely a lethal yeah. shot, but it was just a matter of wanting to track it through all them, uh, all them altars and stuff or have it lay right there. <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong on this. The reason a lot of people don't want it dispatched with a firearm after the fact is if it's dispatched with a gun, it doesn't qualify for Pope and Young, correct? I, I don't so. even know. I, I think so, Something along those lines. Either way, the, you you shot and killed the bear with the bow. They just put it out of its misery with a, with a rifle. Pope and Young can <laughs> he's saying he he would have killed it with his bow but he just saved their lives with the gun (laughs) right right well i think that's the the, i I think that's the the deal with people when they go after a a bear or whatever it is they don't want it hit with a rifle um for that reason but so all this is over with and and in a matter i'm assuming of a matter of minutes i mean this this all takes place in just a few minutes well, then the work starts, right? Yeah. So yep. talk us through that that process, and if it's really true, when you skin a bear out laying down like that, is it like, remind you of skinning a man? I've always heard a bear that size. It's like you're skinning yeah, look, a man. It's the biggest man i ever seen. <laughs> it looks like a big man. It, uh, uh, it did look like a big old human laying there. So, yeah, after kind of everything – sizzled down it's you know we we kind of gathered back and got our stuff and then took us to pictures got some photos and got everything but yeah when we started skinning and and of course we fell in and, and wanted to help too and and skin it but after it was all skinned out yeah uh just from its knuckles and stuff like that they it's it's kind of not good to look at what time of day what time of day was that when you guys went in Killed it. Uh, we killed it probably around 11, 11 30 yeah. It's actually on my birthday when okay. we killed the bear. Yeah. Happy yeah. birthday. <laughs> so, did Time you, got, what all did you get off of it? Go ahead. What all did, were you able to take off of it? So, we took the hide, uh, took the head. You got in Alaska, you got to take the, the skull. Uh, you don't have to take any of the meat. Uh, I didn't want any of it because it's been eating on eleven. It stunk. It stunk. I bet. After eat, after eating on that moose carcass, it was not pleasant. And thankfully, in Alaska, you don't have to take any of the bear meat uh, if you don't if you choose not to. 
the moose is a completely different story. I think with the moose, you can't leave no more than five pounds of scrap meat uh, on the yeah. yeah, but the bear, I guess they just want them gone. And like I said, it it rained. <laughs> so y'all got it dressed out, and you I guess you rolled it up. And you had a you had a pack mule there named uh, Sam. It sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, I'd hate to have toted that stinking joker off that mountain. How much you think that bear weighed? I I would guess probably maybe six hundred pounds. Good God. Six seven. I I'm not for sure. I don't know. Probably maybe maybe not seven. Somewhere's in there. Was the guy impressed with how big it was? He was. Uh, I mean, of course, there's bigger, bigger ones there. There's a big old. They said it was really old, old sow. And I got. Uh, I don't know if y'all seen the video of its teeth. It was all brittle and busted up. Gnarly. It, yeah, it had a huge old head on it. It wasn't real, uh, real long. But like I said, it was just big old. Fat sow. You go full. Well, and how they kind of age it is by their ears of how far they lay down on their on their head, which I, I mean, it was just huge. Uh, but that's one of the things they said, you know, that they look for when they're looking for a mature bear is, is the ears, how far they're laid down. Uh, and that, and I don't know if you got it on video or if it's on the phone, but we did get a video. I think it may be on the phone where the bears kind of. Through the spot and shaking itself off, and you can kind of see the ears and the whole head thing, and it just a really cool video at that point. So, back to camp at this point. How long did it take y'all to get back to camp? Thirty, I think, when we got back. So, so no walking in the dark. No, 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 no. (laughs) That's probably pleasant. In the dark, got us a bite to eat, and then it was right back to glassing for a moose. Because that was arguably the best day we had at our chances of killing a moose after that storm broke, and uh, it turned out to be – that's probably the prettiest day there. Yeah. It did end up raining. It rained every day we was there. But we seen we actually got on a pretty nice moose that evening. Yeah. Ran out of daylight. So going to day eight, that was the, that was the whole goal was to get on a moose. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and then kind of started to crank it up a bit. You know, we was like, we got, what, two or three days left. You know, me and Dad, we was really chomping at the bits. And uh, we ended up just glassing from camp a lot, actually. Saw a ton right from the camp. Saw the most moose, actually, probably from right there at camp. Uh, I think I think the one morning we saw like 11 moose just right there at the camp. Yeah. Uh, and saw a couple big ones. No cow calling to them to try to get them to come closer? They did. They got a little more aggressive. The guys did toward the end because they were trying to, you know, make it happen as well. Lots of lots of raking. And uh, believe it or not, those moose, so their vision's really poor, but they can hear and smell. Excellent, and their smelling's pretty good. And they'd sit there, and they just had an old stick with an oil can taped to it. And they'd rake on them altars, and those moose could hear it. We had some come out and just look in our direction from like two miles away, and it was amazing at how far that sound would travel and how far that they could hear it. But yeah, lots of raking, not as much uh, cow calling, but just never could get one to commit to come into the raking, wanting to 
fight. Did they use that method? I, and I, I'm, I don't remember what the guy in Maine told us, but they take that stick and that is it like a can and pull it in and yeah. out. A dumb. Oh no! He just is that what they call it? He had yeah. just an old cone, and he just done it with his mouth. Like, I should have let him call. <laughs> you ain't you ain't never heard of that before. You ain't never heard about us going up there on the mountain uh, in Amicalola, and oh, Mike Ritchie had that dumb bull had a string in a can, and he had a, a he'd pull a string that was making a bear call. And there's a lady from Sweden or something kept next door. Mike was pulling on that thing and it'd do that. And she come over there and she said, have y'all heard that bear around? There's somebody got a bear on a chain around here. And Mike said, no, but I got one on a string. He'd pull on that. <laughs> make that racket of that thing. But now that guy in Maine told me that they, they use some kind of stick method like that with a big can or something. Well, I know that um, you've, you've, we've watched it before with uh, Nick Munt when he goes to that geezer ridge and hunts. They would sit on that ridge and call those moose. That's where I first realized those things, they'd just docilely come over the hill there. No hurry at all. They'd just come, and it would be three or four miles away. And when they committed to that valley, they would go down yeah. and be able to harvest them. So I guess that's kind of what y'all were trying to do, get them to a point where you could actually make a move on it. Yes, and uh, we had a couple that actually, you know, they didn't fully commit, but they made their way into a valley like you was talking about, that Giza Ridge. But once again, it was about a mile and a half away. And we was on the dang property line for the natives, so half of them we couldn't, we couldn't go out down, down there after. So it was, it was tough sitting there watching some of them. It was Did real tough. <laughs> and, of course, they'd try to hunt some of them. You know, they would see them. It's weird because sometimes those bulls would just hang with those cows, and they may hang in one of those alder thickets for hours. Just locked up like a buck. Uh, you know, we try to make a move on. We saw one one morning after we killed the bear, actually, and it was from camp. Pretty good-sized moose, and he was hung up with them for probably about an hour and a half, probably just enough time to get there. But then the fog kind of creeped in. We kind of – lost sight of them and you know the guy's like you know we gotta see what this fog does so, i mean we saw moose every day every day that we was able to get out and, and glass we would see and we'd see a bull most of the time no y'all never seen a wolf no didn't see any wolves didn't hear none or nothing how about before you guys packed out of there did you guys go back and look over that bear carcass to see if anything else had moved in there we didn't go back to that ridge because they said there was so much commotion that had went on over there that the odds of moose hanging out there were slim to none. And, and the wind actually started. Yeah, and the wind swifted and it was blowing actually right. It The wind would have killed us. So we're going into day 9, 10. We're leaving on 11. Yep, yeah. yeah. 9 and 10. Same old scenario. We actually did have a stalk on one that bedded down with like an hour and a half left. And it was a smaller bull, but, you know, we was trigger fingers itching again. And we, what, got within a couple hundred yards, and it was bedded on that steep ridge. The wind switched, and it killed us. Yep. He was gone. And then day nine, or no, that was day nine. Day, day ten. Had what that little bull? Had a smaller bull. 
we never the closest we got was in like 200 yards of a bull. So, and even it was just for a split second, and yeah. then he seen us, and he was. So it wasn't by no means easy at all. I thought it's, I thought it was gonna be a little dumber, honestly. <laughs> but Watch too many cartoons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it looks easy on TV. So day eleven is when you left, or was it day twelve? Day eleven, we flew. We hunted that morning. Well, glass that morning, and then uh, flew out midday. So I want to stop on day eleven and to ask you both a question. And I want you individually to answer. When you woke up on day eleven, what was what was the thought in your mind? Was it a successful trip in your mind, Dwayne, thus far, or was it uh, a longing for more? Uh, I'd say a little bit of both. It was definitely a successful trip. Uh, you know, with the grizzly bear and just getting able to experience something like that and having some close encounters with some moose, it was it was most definitely a success. I actually told uh, dad the night before on day 10, uh, we was glassing this ridge that we had glassed. It was probably what the third or fourth day in a row. And we hadn't had much action that day on day 10. And uh, I think he said something along the lines of, I'd like to look at another ridge or, or something. I'm going to burn out on looking at this ridge. And I said, you know, pops, there'll be a day where we'll sit back and say, man, I wish I would glass that ridge one more time. So it was it was definitely just soaking up in the uh, the experience as a whole. It was definitely a success, but it did leave you know that ambition for to get a moose on a trip here in the future. How about you, Barry? Kind of the same sentiment. Yeah, uh, I felt like it was definitely an accomplishment, but you know at the same time, I, I guess the biggest thing was playing in my mind is you know they they call or they texted in and said, hey. We want you to kill a moose. We want you to stay till you kill one. And I'm thinking, you know, I got to get back home. I got to get to work. I got to get stuff done. Dang, I want to kill a moose. You know, uh, that kind of weighed on my mind a little bit. Uh, in the end, I, I knew, hey, I'm I'm very successful to you know to get to, get to take the grizzly. And uh, when I got up that morning, I thought, you know, I've got the opportunity, and, and they did. They wanted to stay as long as we could to, to get a moose. And, and my thing was, you know, I'm playing, I got to get work done. I got to get back to work on top of, we don't know if we're going to get stuck here two or three more days or a week. Right. So I was kind of thinking, I hate to, uh, I said, but I guess, you know, it's part of it. Uh, you know, at some point you got to call it quits and, and call it end. And, uh, I said, I guess it's unfinished business and I'm going to have to go back. Hey, I love it. <laughs> Coming. Speaking I guess you was re- I guess you're ready for a bath though. I bet you was ready to take a hot bath. <laughs> you know, and it was funny because we one of the days we were in the tent, uh, the guy said, uh, boys, what would you choose? Would you choose a, a shower or beer and pizza? <laughs> you know, of course we all said, Well, we'd we'd take a shower, but it was so funny when we got back and got back to the bed and breakfast. Me and Slim were chowing down and drinking Cokes, and I'm like, I guess we'd have took the beer and pizza because we ain't took a shower yet. <laughs> so, what what's some of the biggest takeaways you th- you think you, that you could go back out there this next time with that you that you learned, like even going from setup to everything? Gosh, I don't know. I got one <laughs> insulated boots. 
my toes about froze off. <laughs> and self-diagnosed, of course, I didn't go to the doctor. But according to Google, I had saved more frogs by how frogs did. And I still ain't got feeling in them puppies. <laughs> what kind of socks was you wearing? Probably wearing cotton socks. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I told him that. Boots ain't got nothing. Your socks is everything. You got to get you some wool socks on. <laughs> Uh, what happened was they got wet in my sleeping bag the first night because uh, the bottom of the tent. And, uh, you know, they got a little nippy. And I have wool socks, but I was saving them for the hunt because we was just sitting in camp because that first day was bad weather. And so they got cold. And it ain't like, you know, whenever your toes get cold deer hunting, you come home and warm them up. Well, there ain't no heater out there. Sure ain't no campfire. So on day two, they went numb, and I, I didn't film for the rest of the trip. It just tangled. Oh, me. I can see yeah, you sitting up there on the side. They gave us a list at the beginning, and it said, right in big capital letter, no cotton. <laughs> I'm like, did you not read that list? Well, they're proud of them wool socks. They're like thirty dollars a pop. My gosh, I think he'll buy them now, though. I bet frostbite's a hell of a lot more expensive. Toe amputation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm just now regaining the feeling in them. It it feels like walking on pins and needles. Did them Did them uh, guys keep sat phones on them? They had uh, just the the Garmin. What was it? In, in reach texting. They didn't even carry a sat phone. I rented one to take just so I could kind of touch base at home. Uh, but that Garmin in reach is, is definitely the way to go because you can text off of it and you don't got to worry about the phone call dropping anything like that. And it's always got that SOS button. You'll, if something really major happens, you hit it. I think the Coast Guard or somebody comes in to rescue you. How far Another off? Another thing. Go ahead. How far off the coast were you guys? Did you already say that? Uh, no, but we was about, uh, what, two miles on one side off the Yukon River, and it's huge. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. But back on that gear, if anybody wants to do that in the future, I would recommend a good pair of waterproof boots and gaiters. Rain gear is a must. Good, packable rain gear. And – uh that puffy stuff, we had the puffy jackets by Kuyu, but any of, any of them, you know, I think the city can make one. I, I know so. First Light does, but that down stuff where you can ball it up into a ball like that, it was game changer for keeping the wind off of you. Now, here back home, it's a little bit noisy, so bow hunting, it probably wouldn't work too swell, but out there when you're just glassing, it was a game changer. And on my gear – from I mean, I, I was comfortable. I, I didn't really have no other than I'd wake up in the middle of the night and water be in the tent. Uh, I kept the wool socks, the Kentrex boots, uh, rain gear all the time. The only thing I would say is I probably buy heavier rain gear for out there. I was all, I've always been worried about it being too hot here, but for out there, it's definitely a must. Uh, and the big pack. I had the Kuyu. I think it's the pro down is what he's calling the puffy stuff. Yeah. Extremely good stuff. And, and now I'm looking back and, and you compare it to deer hunting, it's totally different. Uh, but for lightweight stuff, if you, I mean, yeah, I would recommend if, if I was going out there blindly and just taking advice, 
number one, you got to stay warm and dry is would be the two key factors. And it ain't just with your clothing. It's the same as the tent. Uh, you got to have a good sleeping bag. Yes. Now what good base layers. Yeah. Yeah. What, what about on the filming side of it, Slim? How would you keep your batteries charged for 10 days, and how do you keep your camera equipment dry? All right, that's a good question because I forgot all about that. So this was that's kind of a curveball, and uh, I was brainstorming before we left on how I would do that, and uh, I asked a couple of bigger-name people. I don't know. Do you know the Copeland Creative? Yeah, Caleb. And I DM, yeah, I DM Caleb and ask him for a little bit of advice on how he does that. If he does, you know, solar chargers or uh, portable chargers or what. And uh, he recommended to just buy a bunch of batteries because most of those uh, like portable chargers and such don't charge those camera batteries well. And I actually bought a portable charger. You know, it was advertised, you know, like two weeks life, you know, and just, you know, it was the bee's knees. And it wouldn't even charge one of my camera batteries full. So I had, for my big camera, I just went ahead and stockpiled. I had like eight of them. And then my GoPro, I had four or five. And then uh, on that little camera I got, I had four or five as well. How did you keep all that stuff dry? Uh, In the field, I had a dry bag that I would like put over the camera Whenever uh, it was just sitting there on the tripod, whenever it would start raining and the wind would blow, I'd just put slip that dry bag over it and uh, buckle it down. And then the other cameras that I kept uh, in my pack, I put them in a dry bag as well. Because keeping them dry is a must because your pack, it, it's going to get wet. Sooner or later, it's going to get wet. I told Alex on the yeah. last... I told Alex on the last podcast we'd done when you guys were... You'd put, the, you'd put a story on there and you guys getting in that uh plane i said look you're riding in a hot dog bun because you could see on both <laughs> yeah. sides of that thing dude <laughs> hey, yeah it's it close quarters for sure is <laughs> i bet it was for your six foot seven self <laughs> you yeah, barely crawling that plane he's like look your legs can't hit these cables and i'm you know like balled up he said really they can't touch me he said this is how i steer <laughs> you know your butthole's puckered already because it's like glass all the way around you, and then you can't even, you know, get a little man spread going on. You're going to wreck and kill you both. So, yeah, it's, it's close quarters. How far was those, How far were those plane rides? Uh, the first one out was, what, like 45 minutes? Yeah. And the second one was probably 20 or 30. Yeah. That's unreal. And they went rather smoother than expected. Yeah. I was surprised. Them old boys can drive in planes, can't they? Yeah, I've watched enough yeah. videos of those guys. They can take off in a dang in a in a good driveway. I mean, they ain't got, they don't need long to oh, get yeah. on the on plane and get gone. <laughs> was y'all in the part of Alaska where it stays daylight longer? I, I don't know what time of year that usually falls around. So, uh, in this, that's what happens in the spring is when the daylight stays around longer. Okay. But we was headed towards the fall where uh, it was getting. Dark. It was losing daylight, and it was getting to where majority of the day is uh, is dark. But we still had, I think, what a good twelve hours of daylight dark. or so. But they told us that uh, every day, as it got later on in the month, uh, you would lose on average like fifteen minutes of daylight a day each day. Yeah, 
Wow. That's pretty, yeah. pretty repetitive as far as how long it takes you to go through it or whatever. That's pretty, pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, biggest takeaway for you, Barry, first, what was, what was your biggest takeaway from the trip as, as overall looking back on it and being able to soak it in? Takeaway as in just in general, what was one, what's one, your overall experience? If you could, if you could sum it up in just a few words. Lord, I don't know that I could. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a very amazing place to go. And, and if anybody could ever get the opportunity to go, if nothing else, go there and just visit. Uh, it's like, and like we said in the beginning, it's a place like no other. You, I, I can sit here and tell you, gone blue in the face and can't really show you one one of the last evenings we were we were standing there and we were just taking pictures and we took i don't know 25 pictures there was no way to capture that in a film as we stood there and looked at it and i guess bringing that back with me that's probably i guess that stuck in my mind because you know if you've not been there to see it it's just it's unreal it's hard to explain it and, and I mean, we've got hundreds of pictures where we took them, but none of them can actually explain what it really looks like. They don't it's, do their just. It, it's an amazing place. Uh, and I've been to a couple other places, you know, Montana and, and that, but it just, I don't know, Alaska grabbed a part of me that it's its hard to let go, I guess. And I'm good Lord willing, I'll be back there next year. <laughs> Love it. How about you, Slim? Yeah, so just. The experience in all, it was just, I don't know, it's its hard to put in, it's hard to sum up, but it's one of those things where you just got to go do it, you know, like, even if it's, it's literally what they call once a lifetime trip, that's thats the easiest way to describe it. Even if it ain't like a moose hunt, you know, maybe a caribou, something, or just going up there to, to sight see it and see it in person, its it's unreal. It dang sure ain't North Carolina, is it? Yeah, no. And it will whoop your butt, too. Alaska is no joke. It, it's the last frontier for a reason. So I know, Barry, you got to get that moose checked off the list. What Are you looking past that moose? Do you have something else on the bucket list that you want to go after? I don't know. I'm, I kind of look for the mountain line. But i got to get that moose first. There you go. I think it's still number one on my list. Slim, when are you gonna have this video out so everybody that's watching and hears this can see? So my plan is to release it maybe January, February. And I know that's late. Usually I get on the ball with them, but we're about to hit deer season full stride. We've got a couple of nice deer on camera that we're really trying to go after, and uh, I don't want to be sitting there. And there's a ton of footage from Alaska to go through and everything. And I don't want to be sitting there, uh, you know, midway through the Alaska video and then get swamped with a bunch of deer footage, you know, and then be working in between the two and uh, end up having to rush it. So I'm going to wait till after deer season so I can fully focus on it. So probably look around mid January, maybe early February, but I'll definitely keep that uh, updated on the Instagram page at Slim Reaper Productions. Can't wait. What else? I'm good, brother. I was a great. I was a great story, and maybe somebody out there wants to travel, and they might get a hold of you, boys. Yeah, hit us up. We'd yes. love to uh, to talk. You know, gear anything. Well, you guys hang around. Don't don't get off. We're gonna close this thing out, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you just a bit off the off the air. But 
you know, for everybody that came on uh, and and listened to this on the lives, we appreciate it. Sorry for the delay again uh, when we got started. Hopefully, we can get the kinks worked out of that as we continue to get to work on that. Do have a short announcement for everyone listening live. Um, there will be a benefit fishing tournament for the Shriners on October the twenty second. Um, it's going to be out of Stamp Creek Boat Ramp, so that's uh. Shriners Benefit Fishing Tournament. You can check that out. I'll drop something on Instagram for that. Um, Chris reached out to me and asked would I announce that tonight, and I told him I would be glad to. So um, if you got any questions, you can reach out to, to me, and I can get you in touch with them and uh, go out and support those guys. But, um, you know, as as we wind this thing up here, it, it goes back to show you you can go anywhere you want to. You just got to be not afraid and, and go out and catch what you can. And Take a chance. If there's a trip you want to make out there, you know, we, we talk about it a lot, that old saying, just go, just take a chance and line it up and, and don't be afraid to, to make a new adventure because without the opportunities in front of you, you're going to be looking in the background going, man, I wish I'd have done that one day, and I don't want anyone to have to go through that at the end of life and say they've left something on the table that they wish they'd have done. So just load up and go, and uh, if you still uh, still – able to get out and spend a trip with the old man make sure you do it because uh I, I know i sure enjoy going with mine and, and i've loved hearing this story tonight from them so for everyone here at talk about it outdoors we want to thank you for coming and being with us tonight come back and be with us when you can we'll probably be live thursday night too this week so if you're listening tonight and you want to hear it we're going to do a two for this week we're getting back in our old roots again so for everyone here at talk about it outdoors we want to remind you to smile as you go but don't forget mount the memories Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. A few years back, When an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Are you in need of a decluttering? barn or garage slap full of stuff you just don't need or is your construction site needing a dumpster give our buddy tony at georgia junk and dumpster rental a call 
With services ranging from junk removal to roll-offs, Georgia Junk is here to help with any and all removal needs. If it's time to get that parking spot back or the boat needs a place inside, Tony and his team can surely assist. Servicing Cherokee, Cobb, Bartow, and surrounding counties, give them a call at 404-406-3501 or check them out on Facebook at Georgia Junk. Clean up the yard in short order with Georgia Junk. 